everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Boosting Your Financial IQ. Today, I have a really special guest. Her name is Elizabeth Rosenberg. She is the founder of Grow My Piggy. and She's doing something really unique out there in the market, which we'll talk about in this episode. So you're going to want to stick around for this. But Elizabeth, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. So it's kind of an interesting topic. You know, today we're going to be talking about how to raise money smart kids. You know, normally I'm talking to an older audience about just their personal finances or their business finances. But I think if we can get a, a handle on things much earlier, if we could teach the younger generation, you know, at an age where, you know, probably you and I, we didn't start. I mean, how much more of an advantage are they going to have out there in this competitive world? And in this world that costs a lot of money, right? It, it's expensive. It's it's harder, you know, to get by. I believe as we move on, the and it's just going to become more competitive. So the the skills and the financial acumen that we can instill in our kids early on is just going to help them be that much more successful. So I'm excited to have this conversation with you. Yeah. Thanks. Yes, I agree so much with everything that you said. And you know, part of it is like think of the confidence that you have if you feel good about your finances. Right. Yeah. And I think like as parents, that's part of what we want to share with them. It's not just that we want them to have a lot of money. We want them to not have fear about things or be able to start a business if they feel inclined to do that or, you know, not feel the burden and stress and negative emotions that we really feel when we aren't confident and comfortable with our financial situation. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so much to it. Well, and it's funny, you know, let me kick things off with this. Yesterday, I was in the car with my son. And we were driving back. I picked him up from school and in the fast lane was this McLaren in his, I mean, his sweet, this sweet sports car is purple, you know, and he loves cars right now. And I said, Hey, Max, you know, check out that car over there. And, and he looks at it and, you know, he's like, that's a McLaren dad. And I said, yeah. And I said, how much do you think that that costs? And he's like, well, you know, a sports car like that. I mean, that's a fancy sports car, dad. I mean, that probably costs like 50 to maybe like $60,000 you know? and it made me chuckle. Right. Because it's like the relativity of, of money. Like when you're younger, like you have no concept, right? Like you go to Disneyland and, you know, Disney's known for like the bracelets that they put on uh, kids and their visitors. And they're like, yeah, you know, it's like the smart wristband, just go up. And if you want a churro, you know, dink, you know, it just charges your credit card. And, yes. you, you know, you want to buy these Roblox, you know, gift cards, which I think is just crazy. You know, you like my, my kids ask for like Roblox gift cards. I'd buy a $25 gift card. They upload it to their iPad. So they have the, the funds. They buy digital clothes, which is like, <laughs> what uh -huh. kind of scam is that? A digital shirt that costs like $5 and they have nothing, but they, they have no clue. They're just like spending this money on the Roblox game or they're, you know, using the wristband at Disney and they walk away and they have no clue, yeah. but you know, you just racked up all this money. So yeah. talk to me about like the relativity of money and how do you instill that into, you know, kids at a younger age so they can understand the concept of money and just the cost of living and everything else. Yeah. So the first thing I want to touch on is your example of the car. I just want to say, I love how you reacted to your son in a positive way about it. And mm -hmm. almost like viewing the car being fancy is okay and positive. And a lot of like what we talk about with teaching our kids about money is just the perception of money yeah. or the perception of people who have money. Because lots of times that's perceived as negative or that yeah. wanting something like that could be negative or a person with a car like that 
um, you know, could be negative. So I just love that story that, you know, your son already is just viewing it as a positive thing and very fun. So great job on that. Yeah. Uh, so let, let me, let, let's touch on that here real quick. Yeah. I don't know about you and maybe you can, you know, share a little bit about how you grew up and like your whole relationship with money as a kid. But I know for me, like from my standpoint, I come from a Christian family. It's not like all Christianity says, you know, money's the root of all evil. I think that's taken out of context, but it's like in the Bible, it says the money, you know, money is the root of all evil. You know, it's harder for a rich man to get to heaven, you know, than like uh, whatever it is with the needle parable or what, (laughs) but there's these, there's all these concepts out there that basically say like, you know, if you're rich, then you're probably dishonest, you're bad, you're a workaholic, you neglect your kids, you know, or if you have these desires to to buy this house or have a beach house or buy this car, you know, you're bad. And talk a little bit about that because I believe, you know, as I get older, that money is a vehicle to bless the lives of other people. Like if you want to go buy that McLaren, hey, that's cool. I'm, I'm not going to shame you about that. You know, I'm not going to shame my kids about that. You know, I believe that money is is a great way to do a ton of different things. Right. And you can have such a huge positive impact on the world instead of the other mindset that's like, oh, money's terrible. Cut, reduce, get small, shrink. It's the opposite of abundance. Right. And it, and it can really screw people up from an early age and impact them, you know, from a financial mindset perspective as they make other decisions in the future. So maybe you could provide a little bit of context about how did you grow up? And then what are your thoughts on that? Yes. Similar. I grew up similar to how you described uh, with a Christian uh, upbringing as well. And, you know, you use that phrase, money is the root of all evil. And if you said that to most people, they could finish it. You know, if you said money is the root of, and they'd say all evil, which is unfortunate because, you know, actually in the Bible, it says the love of money is the root of all evil. And so, you know, putting something above. But I think the way we help our kids with this is that we talk about money makes you more of what you already are. And so if you are a generous person, man, you can do amazing things with more money, you know, and you can talk to them about like, if, if you had that, you know, what's something amazing that you could do? And it'd be kind of cool probably to hear what our kids would say, maybe, yeah. you know, travel, but maybe help build a school. I mean, you know, who knows where their mind will go, but I bet they'll come up with some really cool things. It's, uh, you know, the holidays right now, well, as we're recording this, but you know, you talk about giving and you talk about kids and families who don't have as much. And you talk about those sort of things as opposed to money will make you more of what you already are. And so for people who are greedy, yeah, it probably will make them more greedy, but we're not, we're not a, greedy person. And that's not how you are. And that's not how our family is. And I think the focus on that and talking about the positives of what we can do and then pointing out, you know, if there is a charity event or you see someone being generous or anytime, if we're actually looking for it, we see it everywhere. But lots of times we don't talk about it or we don't point it out to our kids. And so just having those types of conversations I think are really important. You know, they say that kids have a concept of money by age three and most their habits are set by age seven, which is wild because at first you're like, who's talking to their kids that early, right? But it's the conversation like you talked about with your son. It's that sort of stuff that's shaping, not that we're teaching them how to make change from a 20 so early, but Mm -hmm. we're talking about money. We're talking about generosity. We're talking about Oh, if you want money or you want nice things, that's not 
you know, that's not good. That's how they shape these concepts so early. And so just being aware of how we talk about that and talk about giving and, you know, that, that really makes an impact. And lots of times that's what gets overlooked when parents are like, how do I talk to my kids so early about money? It's those sort of conversations that they can be having. Yeah. And it's interesting. I, I read this headline a while back and I don't know if it's true or not. Right. But this is what the research actually said. It said more parents are, are afraid to talk to the kids about money as compared to sex, which is like crazy to me. I mean, it, talking to your kids about sex is like super awkward and very weird, but it appears that more parents are worried about talking to their kids about money. Why do you think that is? And what are your thoughts on that whole idea there? I believe that to be very true. And the reason that I'm pretty confident that that is, is because a lot of parents don't feel confident in the money skills themselves, right? And so like, if I'm supposed to teach my child about hockey, I'm not confident. And so I'm not going to, you know, I'll like give them a puck and a stick, but that's going to be about it because I don't know how to teach that. And so I'm simply not going to, but I can give them like one or two things to get started. And I think that that's how parents view it. You know, if they have credit card debt, or if they have still student loans, or they, you know, just struggle to pay bills. There's no shame in that, but we feel shame. And so we aren't going to talk about those types of things with our kids, or we don't feel qualified. We feel like we're struggling with that ourselves. So the more that parents can recognize that we're all still on a money journey, I'm on a money journey. You're on a money journey. Everyone's on a money journey. And honestly, if a parent struggled with something like that or still does, one, they're aware of it, which is a great starting point. And they probably have a lot of lessons that they can teach their child, even if they are like, I didn't do this great and I don't want to see you make the same mistake. But it at least shows them that, you know, they're taking the right steps um, and they're aware of it. And if it's your audience that's listening to this, they're already doing something great to help boost their financial IQ and pass that on to their kids. Yeah. And and I mean, you bring up a great point as far as like financial literacy goes. I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I think a lot of people out there, they don't have that confidence in their money management skills or just in their financial IQ. And, and that's not to, like I said, to shame anybody about that. Like, look, when I started my first business, I couldn't even read an income statement. Right? I couldn't even read financial statements. I didn't even know what the heck was going on. I was just like out there working hard and praying that there's money left over at the end of the year. Yeah. So like I've been there, like I've been there, done that. But what's interesting to me is like Warren Buffett, when he's asked about what people can do or what people can invest in when, you know, there's economic uncertainty or when there's inflation, you know, they, he says, okay, you know, what, what's your recommendation? He, this is a billionaire. And what he says is I would invest in yourself. He's not saying invest in this ETF or in this, you know, commodity or, you know, this stock, whatever it is, he's saying, invest in yourself. And I think that's so true, but a lot of people, they don't do it. Either they're scared and they have these limiting beliefs. They say, look, I'm not a numbers person, money, you know, the game's rigged. Why would I even learn it? Or I have a CPA or an accountant already. I'll need to learn this stuff myself. But I think that's, you know, flawed thinking. You know, when I think about like, what I love to spend my money on, I love to spend my money on experiences. So I, I love to travel. I have this goal to go to 50 countries by 50. And awesome. um, you know, I, I'll be at 46 here in the coming weeks. But what's cool about that is, you know, when I 
leave that place and wherever I'm at in the world, if I'm laying in my bed and my eyes are closed, if I'm standing in line at the grocery store, if I'm going through a terrible time in my life, I have all those memories up in my head. And I think the same thing is true with financial literacy. And I think that's Warren Buffett, like Warren Buffett's getting to that where he's saying, look, you can invest in this stock, you can invest in this gold or this currency or whatever it may be, but prices may fluctuate, markets may crash, you may lose value and you may lose assets. But if you have the skills, like those skills will help you to generate more income or make smarter financial decisions in the future. And I think that's super critical to understand for parents and for adults and for kids and teenagers. I mean, for everybody, like if you understand how money works and the language of money, and I'm not talking about becoming this super nerd who's like talking like debits and credits and section 138 says this of the tax code. I'm not saying that. But like yeah. having a basic understanding of finance can really benefit people's lives in so many different ways. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I agree. So when parents say that they're nervous to talk to their kids about it, one of the things that I always say is if you don't teach them about finances, the world will. And what sort of message do you think they're going to be receiving? We already know it's like a consumer society. You know, it's if you don't have enough money for it, take out a credit card. It's, yep. you know, the type of house you have matters. The type of car you have matters. Your worth is determined by your net worth and how much you make. And these are the sort of messages our kids are going to receive and internalize if we're leaving it up to the world. So even if you aren't an expert on it, I'm pretty confident that's not how you want your kids thinking, feeling. Yep. And that is just like a drive to buy. So mm -hmm. I think that... That's part of why that's so important. And obviously, I think it's crucial. But, you know, I shared with you right before we started talking that I actually got into this because from working with business clients, they would ask me to come speak to their employees about personal finance. And, you know, I would say, yes, I would love to. And I would speak with them. And afterwards, the same thing I always heard at first made me feel really good. They'd be like, oh, this, this was so great. The information you went over. And I was like, thank you so much. And they would say, I wish I had learned this sooner. And, you know, the first couple of times I heard it, I was like, okay, you know, and then I heard it every time. And that's really when I started realizing everyone wants this information and it takes them sometimes a, a different amount of time to realize they want it, right? It might be like they're out of college and now they have student loans and they're like, I wish I would have known uh, some of this stuff a little bit earlier. Maybe it's when they go to buy a house. Maybe it's when they've got some credit card debt and they didn't understand how that interest worked. We all have a different point where we realize uh, this is really important to know. For some yeah. people, unfortunately, it's when they go to retire and they wish that they had understood some stuff sooner. So the sooner we can understand it, it's just benefiting us and our kids. And that's why that's my focus is on parents educating their kids on it. Because I just know as a mom, as, you know, as a parent, we want the best for our kids in so many things, but we teach them. Even think about kids watch us drive, like for the first 16 years of their life, right? They're in the car mm -hmm. with us. They see clearly how to drive, but we would never have them turn 16 and just give them the keys and say, okay, you've been watching me do this for 16 years. You know what to do. We would never sure. do that. We send them to driver's ed 
They spend like a year with a permit driving with us. And there's so much involved, even though they've been watching us do it for a really long time. And I look at personal finances the same. Of Our kids are, of course, consuming and observing how we use money, how we talk about money, how we think about money. If we save, if we spend, they're observing all of it. But we have to, just like the car, actually teach them some rules, some do this, don't do that. In this type of situation, this is how you want to think through it. And, and doing that, it's not like the age of 18 is a cutoff, but I like to look at it like while they're under our roof, that's our chance to make this impact and do stuff with them. And then we build their confidence and their competence that they now know what to do when it's all on them. You know, it's not the first time they've seen this type of situation. So they're confident and they're comfortable with it. And that's why the earlier these conversations start, the better. Well, and I like what you said earlier, Elizabeth, when you said like, if you don't teach your kids, the world's going to teach them. And that's a big concern for me with influencers out there. I think there's a lot of well-intentioned influencers there's some misinformed influencers, but some of the messages that are being shared out there to the younger generations, like super concerning. I do this podcast episode every week called Fin Weekly, where I provide updates on what's happening in the world of finance and the economy. And just today I reported on Black Friday sales, like Black Friday and Cyber Monday sales. So analysts before, like leading up to Black Friday, they believe that the sales were going to be down. Just what's going on in the economy. You know, you have more inflation, more uncertainty, consumer confidence is down. So they thought, you know, spending was going to go down. Actually, it went up from, you know, they, they thought it was going to be $12 billion is 12.4 billion. So 400 mil more. But the interesting thing is not just that, but 14%, there's a 14% increase in buy now, pay later sales. So really, when you think about what's driving this, like, sure, people may still be concerned out there. Money may be tight for people, but that whole mentality of like, hey, you know, just put it on a credit card or we have these flexible options or there's this new app where you can like get it right now and pay for it later. And I think a lot of the generation, they they get stuck on this like minimum payment mentality, whether it's their rent or whether it's their car payment whether it's their phone bill. I mean, we live in like the SaaS world where everything's like monthly. And I think people could just look at that monthly payment and say, oh, it's only 50 bucks a month. I could afford that. Little do they know that the borrowing cost behind that 50 bucks is like astronomical. And you know, if, if they don't understand that, then they, they get into the buy now, pay later mentality. But you know, later on in life, they're really going to be hurting because they didn't make better decisions when they were younger, as you alluded to earlier. Yes. And it's like, those were all created with good intentions, I believe, you know, but that's not how they're meant to be used, you know, just to do your Black Friday shopping or whatever it is. Um, If someone's really in a pinch, that can be a saving grace for them to be able to spread out a payment. But yes, if we're buying um, on a weekly, monthly basis, using this concept of not really having to pay for it, it's hard. Um, And that is how people get in trouble. And so the more that we can be teaching our kids, you know, it's like the people talk about the envelope system, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, they'll say like, do you think the envelope system still works? And I'm like, of course the envelope system works. I mean, you know, (laughs) common sense, of course it works. But is that a transferable skill that we can teach our kids? And it's the concept of it is, but the reality isn't. I mean, 
you think that your son is going to be like using cash envelopes? You know, probably not. We have to be teaching them ways that they can then transfer into real life and operate, you know, using that. And so obviously it goes as simple as, you know, living within your means. But I think that one of the things that we can focus on there is going back to like even just a different concept of we're teaching our kids that their worth isn't in the things that they have. And so they're maybe not buying to have that thing that they can't actually afford instead of just kind of preaching to them about what they should or shouldn't be, you know, how they should or shouldn't be spending their money. I love that. So let me explain to you what I do with my kids. So my wife and I, this is what we do on a monthly basis. And then you could correct me. You could provide on the (laughs) podcast, live coaching right here. You can shame me. You could tear my strategy apart, everything. I will not shame you. I promise not to shame. (laughs) And because if people are listening to the audio version of this, they can't see my tears. Okay. So it's fine. (laughs) Okay. All right. So this is what we do to to teach our kids. So let's get into tactics here. Okay. I think we all understand it's, it's important here. So let's get into tactics. So every month, you know, our kids are responsible for doing chores. Okay. And some people may be listening to this, like, oh my gosh, Steve, you are so stingy and you are like, you know, you're so hard on your kids, but there's, there's a whole strategy behind this. So st- bear with me here. So okay. they're required to do chores. I mean, it's pretty simple, like vacuum and mop, you know, the, the main floors, they have to maintain their rooms. So they have to make their bed every day. They have to like keep their floors clean. Things are put away. Um, and then they share a bathroom. So they have to, you know, share responsibilities. So one week they'll clean the toilet. The other person will do the sink and they'll flip-flop. And so they have these, these basic responsibilities and accountabilities for their own space, you know, and, and then for the common areas of the family, if you'll call it, they, they have certain chores there. Now they get paid a, a monthly allowance based on how well they perform these jobs, right? Which we try to tie back to the real world. Like if you're out there, you're doing a job, you're doing a great job um, and you have good quality and high standards of work, like you're going to be compensated for that. And then they have a bonus where they can do a deep clean, where they go through their like nightstand, like the candy wrappers and things that they like, kids like hide in their in weird spots. They clean that stuff out. They keep it organized. They get a little bonus on top of it. So then this money goes into their own account. So they're not at the legal age to have their own separate account, but I just created a a checking account for them, right? And so it's just their money in this account. And um, so when we go places and they say, hey, look, dad, can I get these new vans? And it's like, I already bought them, you know, shoes for the year uh, or for, you know, the summer or winter, They, they already have enough shoes, trust me. Mm-hmm. But if you say, hey, I like these vans, I can say, look, you can you could buy these vans if you want, but it's with your own money. And so it's interesting because my daughter and my son, we went to the van store just, just last week. And my daughter really wanted these vans. Mm-hmm. And they were like 90 bucks. Well, I mean, that's a lot for you know for her savings, you know. Yep. So she had to pay for them and she had to understand, dang, you know, that's like two months of chores, right? To get these vans. And then my son, you know, he was looking at a, a pair of shoes for 40 bucks and he's like, ah, maybe I'll wait, maybe I'll wait till after black Friday. What kind of discounts do you think, you know, I'll get, and he's doing the math in his head. Now it's not like my daughter is poor at spending. Cause she, she does really well and especially way better than I was at her age. Um, but it, it just teaches them the value of money. 
and and then it, it puts accountabilities on them and then it, it it eliminates like a lot of that tension and friction and that constant like no 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 to my kids but i just think like this is steve personally okay so if you're listening to this don't get offended i just think giving money to kids creates weakness so like i grew up socially economically challenged uh you know as poor financially as as rich with love but I'm grateful for that. And I'm not, I'm not saying if you grew up wealthy or you have money or your parents give you money or you give your kids money, like you're bad. I'm just saying like it can weaken them in my opinion. Um, and it, it can really hurt them later on in life. And that's why when people reach out to me and they're in their twenties or thirties and they're seeking financial help or they have questions, a lot of times it's because of the patterns or the mindsets that were established years ago. So I know I just said a lot, Elizabeth, but what are your yeah. thoughts on just that whole like, allowance process, having your kids pay for things themselves and just, just all that. What I just said, what are your thoughts? Okay. I'm not saying this because I'm on your podcast, but a lot of what you're doing, if not all of it is exactly what I talk to other parents about doing. So just focusing on a few of them specifically. So first off I'm on board. Good job. But specifically allowance I love the idea of parents giving their kids an allowance like that because going back to they learn these decision-making processes while we're still there to help. The two examples that you gave of your son and your daughter with those shoes, perfect, right? Like that's what we want to, one, be there for, and two, help coach them through. Like your son was thinking about, you know, maybe looking for it on sale or a different time. Isn't that how we want them to think and learn and talk through stuff? Two, um, you mentioned it not bringing on as much friction. And that's probably the second reason that I love the idea of an allowance is because anytime we're not lecturing our kids on something and they are just learning a lesson themselves, isn't the lesson learned so much more? You know, it's yeah. them feeling like, man, I had to babysit a lot or I had to do two months of chores to get this money or however, whatever it took to earn, they yeah. felt that pain or effort, whatever you want to call it. And then they feel it when they give that money away. And so they start to realize what that feels like, how, how hard they had to work for something, if you want to say, and that makes an impact on them way more than you can ever make by lecturing them on, exactly. you know, you should yep. spend this much on your clothes or shoes. And then the other thing is just being able to learn like how to think through processes. And anytime that we can involve our kids, even in um, like, say they want to redo their room, you know, and mm -hmm. maybe it's not going to be on their dime, but you say, okay, we're, here's a budget of $300 and they want to like paint the walls. They want to, you know, get a cool rug and a cool lamp and a bedspread. Like that's what they have in mind, right? And then you start doing that process with them and they realize they could get the lamp, the rug and the bedspread, but they do not have enough money. They can either paint the walls themselves, but they don't have enough money to like pay someone to paint the walls, right? And so right, they're like, right. okay, I can paint the walls. You and I can paint the walls, you know, dad or mom, whomever. And I can get everything else. And again, like the more that they're just having those types of experiences with us, that's then how they can just transfer that into real life. You know, what can I do myself? How can I save some money? And then when they own their own home or they're in an apartment, it's not the first time they've seen these types of situations. Um, mm -hmm. So 
That's why I like allowances. And then also teaching them with it to, you know, save a portion if parents teach to save a portion, give a portion, and then spend. Um, that can be the first time to introduce to them that concept, um, which I think is really helpful. So they know we save money first as we receive it. And then as they get a paycheck in the future, it's just ingrained with them. I receive money. I save this portion. If giving is important, you know, I earmark this much for that. And this is everything that I have to work with. And if that's the way that they're just accustomed to the flow of money, that's what they start doing once they start making more money and more money and more money. And that habit is just already there. So I'm a big fan of allowance and using that as a tool to teach them. No, and, that, and that's great. Okay. Phew, you know, yeah. <laughs> good thing you were like, oh my gosh, that's the worst thing you could be doing, Steve. <laughs> and, and, you know, part of the process is every month, you know, we sit down, they, they just reminded me today, they said, dad, you need to pay us, you know? And I was like, okay, you're right. But I sit down with them and it's not just giving them money or saying, hey, I just transferred money into your account. It's sitting down with them and saying, hey, look, you know, like Ava, you did a great job this month. You know, one thing that I, I noticed was that like, your closet, you know, is kind of a mess throughout the month. And so like next month, if you were to tidy things up, maybe pick up some of your shoes or hang up some of your clothes or whatever it is, then you can get your full allowance. And then she's like, okay. And guess what? Like when I went into her room today, after she left for school, like her room's great and like her closet's great. So it's like that learning process. Cause you get out in the real world and that's the same thing that happens out in business. Either you're an entrepreneur and your customers are teaching you, right? Which is a painful process. Your customers are teaching you, or you have a manager who's helping you along the way. So I, I think that's that's really critical. I just wanted to add that in. Yep. Um, and so, I want to oh, say too, Steve, like what a great lesson to be teaching them that they can earn more. Um, yeah. I think like when we look at parents and we're like, what kind of lessons are they teaching their kids besides like save and things like that? One of the things that I think we need to be teaching them is, you can earn more, whether that means a promotion or a raise or, you know, start something on the side. Like if you need to earn more money, you can. And so you're already showing her these are ways that you can do it. And then, you know, you can hit your goal faster for something you want to save for or buy for. But like that instills a confidence and excitement in them um, that I think is really vital. Yeah, I think that I think that's super important. And I agree with you. Here's another thing, Elizabeth, that I want to talk to you about, you know, when it comes to teenagers, you know, whether you're 15, 16, 17, 18, whatever it is, right? A lot of parents, you know, they want to give their kids money. They want to pay for the things of their kids. And like, for me, look, like I, I grew up without a lot of money. So I always told myself, like, when I get more money in the future, like my kids are going to have a totally different lifestyle, which they do. Right. I, I don't think my kids are spoiled per se, but I could tell you, I wasn't eating like sushi at 10 years old. Right. Mm -hmm. And th the first time I got on an airplane was like, I was 10 years old and I was flying back to, you know, Colorado. It wasn't going anywhere like extravagant. And then I look at my kids, I'm like, oh my gosh, how many States have you been to? And they'll likely go international again, you know, here in a couple of years, which is like crazy. So don't hear me wrong. Like, it's not like I'm perfect at this, but I believe that there's a real danger in, you know, just paying for everything when it comes to teenagers. So let yep. me explain. You, you know, you look at a 16 year old, you talked about like this 18 year old age of leaving the house. So some people stay longer or whatever. Some people are 40 years old. They're still living in their parents' basement. 
um, whatever the circumstances are. But if you're 16 years old and your mommy or your daddy or whoever, they're paying your car insurance, they're paying your gas, they're paying for your car, they're paying for your food, your clothes and all this stuff. And then one day you're going to get cut off and you're going to get dumped into the real world. Don't you think that's like a stark and like dangerous thing to do to a kid? I mean, you get out in the real world, like, look, it's like, oh, I'll pay for everything. And then one day when you get married, you're on your own. Okay. You're going to get married. You're going to find somebody. You're going to come out of college and you're going to realize, oh my gosh, a one bedroom apartment is two grand a month. And then our car payments and then our health insurance and then food. And then this, it's going to cost six grand a month to live. And we're making like four. And so I think like that could be, you know, really dangerous for parents if, if they're not careful, but I want to hear your thoughts on this. You have a lot of expertise in this area. How do you balance that? Because it's not like you want your kids eating rice and beans, wearing holy clothes. Right. But also like, if you just give and give and give, and they don't learn how to like go earn for themselves and save and manage their money. Don't you think there's going to be issues in the future? Thoughts? There's for sure going to be issues in the future. And I think that that is what you remind yourself of as a parent, because your goal for your child isn't bad, right? As a parent, your goal for your child is good. You want to see them thrive. You want to see them have things. But the means to get there isn't by giving. I don't think that anyone's ever just been given things and they magically have an appreciation for it. You know, I think. Anyone can think of an example in their life where when did they appreciate something even more? Probably when it wasn't there, you know, whether it's a thing, money, a person, we tend to appreciate or realize the value of something even when it's not there. So that's why an allowance aspect is great. Talking with your kids just about money, looking at a budget. If you are going to be paying for a lot of things, which isn't really what I recommend. I love doing an allowance and setting clear boundaries and expectations on what the parent will be paying for and what the child will be paying for. And I think that that's the best approach. So the parent is still paying for the things that we pay for as, you know, I don't want to say normal parent, but like caring for our child, their clothes to survive, their, their housing, stuff like that. But we are teaching them and having them think through the extra things that they want. And again, like setting clear expectations on that. I I remember a time when um, I was shopping with my mom and, you know, I went into the dressing room and I had, I'm like, come out with a pile of clothes. I'm like, they all fit. It's great. You know? And she's right. like, okay, excellent. You know, these three things you can wear to school because we had a dress code, you know, you're, you're allowed to wear those at school. So I'll pay for those. And Anything else that you wanted, you can pay for. And I just remember being like deer in headlights, you know? And I felt embarrassed because I now was not going to get all those things, you know? I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, so these two things I'll get and these other five, you know, because I'm already thinking like, how much did I have to babysit for this? Like, this isn't worth it, you know? But then I felt a little bit embarrassed or ashamed that I had sort of, I was going to allow you know, my mom to pay for that. And that maybe wasn't going to bother me as much, you know? And from that point forward, like that was such a learning moment that clearly I still remember it today. And, and I thought moving forward, anytime I'm buying something or I'm shopping with someone, I don't know. I didn't know if my mom was going to say that again, you know, I'm always going to shop. And so I'm the one buying it, 
you know? So I'm not going to be like expecting someone to pay for it, even if it's my mom, unless it's something that I would also be buying for myself if this was the situation, you know? But was that maybe painful for her, if you want to say? I mean, I'm sure not so painful, but of course she could have been like, these are all great. I know you're going to wear them and just done that. But it was such a lasting impression that it made in a positive way. And so we just have to remind ourselves that, yeah, our goal is always great, probably, that we want to be caring for our kids and we want to take care of them. And of course, you know, I'm a mom too. Like, I understand it's hard, but that's why we set boundaries is because we care. That's why we have parameters, set expectations and don't just give and give and give. It's because we care that much. And that's the sort of thing that we have to remind ourselves when it doesn't feel that way or it feels hard or they're saying, you know, everyone else has this iPhone, you don't love me um, or, you know, whatever they're saying and making us feel. And that's also a great place, Steve, where we can talk about like, okay, you know, to our son or daughter, the things that we have, that's not where our confidence comes from. What are exactly what has you afraid that you're going to go to school and no one else has this this phone this iphone or like what is it and talk about it and just open the door to a conversation hear what they say i'll share with you that i was at an at&t store recently and uh, you know i was talking to the salesperson about what i did and he was like oh that's you know so needed he said you wouldn't believe how many parents come in here with their kids and they are looking to upgrade their phones But when we pull up their account, like they're not paid up on their bills, you know? Mm. And he was like, they can't afford to pay for the phone lines and the internet and all the lines, yet they leave there with the upgraded phone because you can just add it onto the plan for how much a month. And their kids like need to have that because it's embarrassing if they don't or they have the old version or, you know, whatever. And uh, I said, it's so sad to hear that, but I totally believe it, you know, and don't you believe it? You're like, yeah, I can see that happening. But those are the types of opportunities that we have to talk to our kids about why we don't have to have the latest and greatest of everything. Like that exactly. isn't what determines if we're successful or if we should be happy or if we should feel proud or if we should feel embarrassed. Teaching our kids about money isn't like some grand lecture that we give them one day. It's these tiny moments in life, like while they're happening, that we then take a step back and we talk to them about and help our kids get the right perception and perspective on what's happening. No, and I mean, Elizabeth, I love that. And that's so smart because you're right. You know, financial literacy is not just like teaching them how to tick and tie a trial balance or how to read an income statement or what a 401k is. You know, I, I, I love what you're saying there is, you know, self-worth doesn't come from the amount of money we have. And if you don't disconnect that, then kids are going to think, okay, I buy this fancy shirt or this jacket or purse or phone, then I'm worth something. And if I don't, I'm not worth anything. And I can tell you, there's no amount of money that will allow somebody to, you know, satisfy their ego. Like we all have egos. And if we're chasing things and we're using materialism to feed that ego, there's never enough. Right. And that's why, you know, you hear stories of like Michael Jackson, didn't Michael Jackson make like over a billion dollars in his career? And then he like 
he died broke, like millions yeah. of dollars in debt, which is crazy. And it's, it's tragic. And there's athletes and actors and actresses and all these people out there that come across a ton of money they have everything. They have the fame, the, you know, the popularity and the big house and the fancy cars. You think they'd be so happy, but tragically they're not. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think that's an important lesson. And I love tying that piece into financial literacy because if not, it, it's going to be a major issue yeah. um, for kids, right. And for yeah. us as adults, right. Mm -hmm. I, I remember reading in a book and it said, you know, the goal is to get the goalposts to stop moving because that's what mm -hmm. we do. You know, sure. we have a goal, this promotion, this amount of money, once I have this saved and we hit it and we'll feel good, but then mm -hmm. don't we just kind of raise the bar? And that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be ambitious and want, you know, greater things, of course, but sure. we have to stop, be grateful for what we have, acknowledge what we just accomplished and feel really good about that. And if you want to go and achieve more, earn more, do more, that's fine, but acknowledging and being happy with what you had just done is, you know, high on that priority list too. Otherwise you yeah. never feel satisfied. Exactly. Being grateful. Yeah. I, I mean, I know a lot of clients and a lot of people that make a million bucks a year and they spend a million bucks a year, right? Mm -hmm. The the post constantly just moves. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that's really important to understand that, you know, like be grateful for our circumstances, nothing wrong with ambition. So, you know, don't feel like shame or guilt if you want to make a lot of money. Like if you want to go out there and make a lot of money, that's great. Um, it's what you do with it and the life that you ultimately live that that makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. So Elizabeth, it's been so great having you on the show today. And I love like the perspective that you have. I love the work that you're doing. Um, it's going to have such a major impact and it, it are, probably already is having a major impact on so many people's lives out there. So what an honor to have you on Boosting Your Financial IQ today. Thank you. I can't thank you enough for having me on. I love the work that you're doing. And um, yeah, I'm very grateful to be here. Thank you. You're welcome. And for everybody who's listening, if you want to learn more about Elizabeth Rosenberg, go to BYFIQ.com, which stands for Boosting Your Financial IQ. There's a guest page that I'll have for her. You'll be able to read her bio. There'll be links and everything else if you want to get in contact with her. And especially if you want to see more what, about what she's doing out there in the world, definitely check her out. Elizabeth Rosenberg, thank you so much for being on the podcast. And for thanks, everybody, Steve. thanks again for tuning in. And in the meantime, take care of yourself. Cheers. Hey, real quick, if you get value out of this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you would leave us a review. Also, if you want to be featured on the show, send me a recording with your name, your age, where you're from, and your question through a voice note or a video using your smartphone. Then email me the file at hello at byfiq.com. BYFIQ stands for boosting your financial IQ. So once again, it's hello at byfiq.com. If selected, I'll give you a shout out and answer your question for you and the entire community. One last thing, if you want access to additional resources that will help you fast track your path to financial freedom, visit byfiq.com or download our free app in the Apple or Google Play app store today. Thanks again.